and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. We are your host. I am Steve. He is Wally. David is out today, uh, mostly because he knows how horrible he did it with his bets. He wanted you guys to know that wasn't really the reason. He, ha- he has some class up that he's doing, but we really know that's the root of the problem and why he's not here. He will be back Monday, and then we cannot wait for him to talk Browns football. But that's not why we're here. Wally, it's been a few days. I know I missed out here on Monday. But now it's just back to the old two for the episode for gambling in week six. How the hell are you, buddy? I'm fine. That is all the Bill Belichick reference. That is, we're going to go right into it. I'm Before done, dude. Into Ugh, whatever. Hey, how are you, well, Steven? No, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Shit. Before anyone gives a shit about how I'm doing, I want you to know, Wally, this episode is brought to you by tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E. Make sure you use promo code football for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. You know what, Wally? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I got two giant trees outside of my yard. They're fully red. I got the pond right there. It looks gorgeous. It's been beautiful. Uh, I have a weekend of golf planned. I get to go to the, I'm going to the opening CBJ game tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I know, I know that you have to be happy about that as the resident hockey guy, but overall I can't complain. You know, I'm ready to talk a little football, eat some wings and drink some beers tonight. Well, uh, I mean, there's technically football on tonight, I, so I guess that's cool. Uh, we'll get into the Thursday night game here in a bit. It is hockey season, so uh, this is a hockey podcast going forward. I, I'm, I'm about checked out football wise. I'm dead inside. So I think I can name more backup. Football. I think I can name more backup linemen than I could like five starting people in the NHL. Not that I'm dogging the NHL. I just that's how much the lack of attention I have towards it. Well, think about how much you're going to learn as this becomes a hockey pod the next month. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the learning curves. There's going to be a lot of growing pains, but we just got to get through it together here. We're coming we have for a little you, bit. spitting chiclets. Yeah, don't know about that. Don't they have two ex-hockey players there? They, they're pretty formidable. Oh, they, they're like the best podcast in the world. I love them. I do enjoy every time I, I uh, listen to them or if I see any tidbits. It's just those hockey guys are a different breed. It's just like if – they're like likable 20-year-old frat dudes that just never change. And they're like they 30, never grow 5, 40. Up. Yeah, exactly. Like like the guy who shaved his head last year completely biz. bald. And he looked I ridiculous. love Biz. Yeah. Those hockey oh. guys are just built different. Yes, they are. We have a little NFL news before we get into uh, Wally talking about our week five recap and what our picks were looking like leading into the week six picks. Before we hop in there, we have a little Monday night action that we want to recap. A barn burner. Las Vegas Raiders going to Arrowhead. Unfortunately, do not come out there with a victory. Unlike Devontae Adams coming out there with a misdemeanor charge. That is one of many shots I'm taking here, just like the shot that Devontae took. That's two and 30 seconds. My God. Uh, the Raiders, the Raiders end up losing 29 to 30 here. It was an awesome game. It was crazy. The things that I really liked, I liked what the offense was doing. Considering that Darren Waller was out after the sixth snap of this game, where he only played six offensive snaps because of a hammy, I want to say, I thought that the offense looked really, really good. Hunter Renfro, I thought, could have been used a little bit more, but Devontae looked like Devontae. There was a lot of awesome plays here, but not like on the other side. With Travis Kelsey putting up a stat line that makes you think that you lost a couple numbers on your social security card. 7-25-4. and four. Seven receptions for 25 yards and four touchdowns. Wally, I have a couple questions I want to ask you here towards the tail end of the explanation, but you're going now you're heading in here one and four. You're one and one of the division. So maybe the grasp, 
maybe this isn't as bad as you thought it was and your the grasp on the division it isn't as strong as you thought but taking away what were your thoughts after the monday night well so everybody was talking about the roughing the passer first of all horrible call i'm horrible sorry call. no nobody i don't think a person on earth is denying it vic taffer one of my favorite raiders beat reporters even tweeted immediately after he goes all right, Raiders fans, we aren't allowed to complain for a month about a call. About an hour later, he got the tweet back, never mind, because everybody is so hyper fixated on that one penalty that they ignore what happened the rest of the game. The Kansas City crowd rattled that refereeing crew so badly that they were so afraid to call anything against the Kansas City Chiefs after that play, the Raiders ended up with 11 penalties for 99 yards. They had three before that, not to mention a critical fourth and 14 where the Raiders would have got the ball back after Kansas City missed a chip shot field goal. Instead, they got a defensive holding call that you cannot find a clip that makes me find or see what it was. It was a flagrant makeup call. The entire second half was a makeup game for the refereeing crew. I was really, really disappointed too because it felt like you win this game, you really have a chance to save your season. You dial up that wonderful call on the first drive. It's fourth and one. You go play action. You take a shot to Devontae Adams. Home run ball. Next three drives, you're moving at will. Even when you're not getting the ball in Devontae's hands, you're having pass interference calls because of Devontae Adams. He, uh, I think, accrued 48 penalty yards on two drives from pass interference calls. I, I'm just really frustrated down to the court. I'm. Can you hear the music in my background, Stephen, or no? No. You can't hear that? That's good. That I wanted to make sure so they come in. God, it's going to fucking annoy me. I can't believe you can't hear that. Um, it's over in about five seconds. All right, cool. Oh, I hear it if I really listen to it, if I push down, It was but... terrible. It was, anyways... Um, or is, your, is your sister just blaring Harry Styles? No, we have this uh, stupid little clock that whenever it hits like the hour mark, it's kind of like a grandfather clock, but instead it just plays this little goofy 30-second song. It, it get, like I forgot about it when I got here. We have literally a grandfather clock, a dog, and that thing. So it's going to be a great episode. I'm half tempted to leave this in. Uh, it's going to be left in. I hope they hear it. It's in. It's, it's in, in, baby. It, welcome leave to it back. In. So anyways... Uh, the Raiders ran the ball well. Josh Jacobs had probably his best game as a pro. Everything went yes. so well. You're one and four, though. And now you realistically have to go nine and three down the stretch to get in. I'm so just deflated. I, I don't even know how to, because uh, this season, it felt like we had the makings of a special year, and it's just like same old Raiders. David's not here to give us the same old Brown, so I'll just take his negativity on to magnify my own. It's the same old Raiders. And I've just really like lose four games by combined 14 points. I've got nothing, man. I've got nothing else. And with to your point, Josh Jacobs is not only put his best game as a pro, but you, you can argue this is one of his better starts of the season, maybe outside of his rookie year. Cause I know kind of in between that there's some injury ridden 
uh, games and weeks that he's had, but he hasn't, I felt like he hasn't strung something like this together since his rookie year or maybe even before. So he's really going to start pushing the hands here of the front office of wondering why they didn't pick up that fifth year option to get him cheaper. And they might have to pay this dude. And fun fact, he's only a month older than Najee Harris. Actually, I mean, check that. Is Najee, is Najee a month older? It's either way, they're within a month of each other. And just just to think of that, I mean, this is Josh Jacobs' fourth year. He's going. He came in the league when he was twenty. But yeah, I know that's obviously going to hurt with the shelf life as being a running back. But nonetheless, I thought he had a great game. A, a couple of the questions I do want to ask you here is: before I do that, that throw and catch by Devonte and Derek Carr. Holy shit! That was phenomenal. That was a great ball by Derek Carr, especially the way that he threw it. Almost looked like it was a jump pass, and he he wasn't set. And he, he does just, that like, better than anybody in the league. That he like runs forward, and it's like a running like tomahawk throw or something. His feet were up in the air, like he was rolling to the pocket and throwing it that way. That's like the way that the mechanics looked on the footwork. But it was an amazing throw, an amazing catch. Fuck, do I miss Demonte so much? Holy shit! But. They decided to go for two on there to take the lead, not not kick the extra point and tie. What were your thoughts about that? No high, no hindsight 2020 bullshit either. Actual thoughts. No, no. I think you and I are very apart, actually, because I love the call. I was happy with the call even in the moment, and my reasoning for that is you could not stop the Chiefs from about the first quarter on. And what you do if you get it or fail to get it you are forcing them to either protect the ball, try to run out the clock, or you're going to be more conservative in play calling, or you're going to have to go for the win, where at least at that point, you're like, if they're going to have a field goal to win the game, at least if they miss it, put yourself in a position to win the game yourself. It changed yep. the way they called the game. So, yeah, it didn't work at the time. But I, if maybe if that was a different team, if you're playing the Atlanta Falcons, you kick the extra point. But because it's Arrowhead, because it's Kansas City on the road, I actually was all aboard. I was actually thrilled with it. And look what happened. The Raiders got the ball at the end of the game with the chance to win largely because of that call. I really do think the game is over and the Chiefs kick a walk-off field goal if they don't go for two. So even with the loss, I'm completely with the call, really am. So I, I like the call for that exact reason, right? You like it because you, it didn't seem like an analytical call, analytical call, which is nice. It's a nice, nice little change up, but yeah, you're, you're totally right that they could not stop the Kansas city offense that entire second half. It felt really the entire game. Once they really started getting cooking here, I think they punted like two or the three first drives and then they really started getting after it by the Kansas city. But in, in my eyes, to kind of like nitpick what you said, they got the ball back and they could run the clock out right? They could do that regardless if you have it or if you don't, but at the same time, right? If, if you have the lead or if you, or if it's tied, they have that opportunity to, but it's not Harrison Bucker kicking this thing. We have a backup kicker and yes, he had nailed a couple in there. We saw the pregame videos that they always like to show. Were you going to put that on a backup kicker? I would do that a thousand times over, but at the end of the day, I can't stray away from what I, what I actually felt when that happened. You have to go for it. Hindsight is 2020 because you do end up getting the ball back and having a chance here. Now with that, I hate all of this trash talk about the final play. It was a great final play to run. Yes, Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams ran it to each other. For you people that don't actually know football, watch that tape. 
I need to watch the tape. Though I got to go back and watch the tape. Playing it till I watch the tape. I want to watch the tape. I watch the tape. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Well, again, I'm gonna watch the tape. It wasn't because of the play call. It wasn't because of Devontae or Hunter Renfro. It's because that cornerback had a half second to a second of pressing Devontae Adams, which you'd never see because Devontae Adams moves so swiftly that no one can get their hands on him. The one time that they're able to get their hands on, that's why football is a game of inches. That's why it is so important in the timing and everything because that showed it. You give me a half a second or a second more of Devontae not being touched, that is a perfectly ran route. But, man, it looked like a clusterfuck. What was your thought on some of the backlash that Josh Josh McDaniels had on this fourth and one call or the fourth down call here that ended the game eventually? Part of the thing that's bothered me most this week is that I've been hypercritical of Josh McDaniels up until this week, but I really felt like he coached a solid game. And he coached a hell of a game. He got robbed outside of that. Like, I thought he got robbed. Own people are, are using the last four weeks, and that's fair because it's part of your, your entire portfolio of the season. I get that. But if you're looking at it strictly from this game, he coached a great game. We can't sit here and be critical of the fourth and one at the end of the game if you're not going to be critical of the fourth and one that they scored a 58-yard touchdown to Devontae Adams on the first drive. It, the only part, like you pushing back on what you said, is that you do have – one of the best kickers in football, you have a kicker that's made, I think, the seventh or eighth most field goals in a row in NFL history. He's made like 36 or 37 field goals in a row. I think I think it got bumped to like 38 after this game. So I remember hearing that. And I was like, dude, I remember you just sucking it up in Minnesota. And then all of a sudden, here's this, here's this kid. He's been unbelievable. I know last year off the top of my head, I want to say it was 33 of 36. And they were early in the year misses. And he really was locked in after. But he was locked in he had a 50 I think a 47 or 45 yard field goal the other day you only needed 10 or 15 yards and you have 45 seconds and you have Josh Jacobs who's playing arguably the best game of his career so I understand the people that are saying hey just run the ball get the first down and then spike the ball but what those same people are kind of neglecting is that the Chiefs had a huge blitz on they sent six or seven people there's a very real chance that they stuffed Josh Jacobs short and then we're not talking about it. And instead, it's you didn't trust Derek Carr. You didn't trust Devontae Adams to get you the first time. It's damned Double if you do. Sword. Yeah, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. And not to mention that third down catch or that was incomplete. I understand that it, it was incomplete, according to a lot of people. Devontae Adams is hell-bent that he had possession with that one hand. And he's such a talented wide receiver. I have a difficult time completely disregarding it. But you're that close to then having the ball at, I think, Kansas City's 37, 38-yard line. Something so it's just like, like nine different things had to go wrong for the Raiders. And for some reason, the only talking points coming out of this game are Devontae Adams shoving a reporter. You have the drop at the end of the game, the, the colliding of the receivers. And then you have Josh McDaniels critiques. It's nothing positive. You're talking about the roughing the passer. Everything is anti-Raider. And it's just so, again, demoralizing because I felt like they played a very, very solid game. And this is what happens when you don't win in September. Everything starts catching up to you really quickly. Yeah, and you know the last thing that we that we want and we always talk about is how, how we hate having the refs kind of control the games. And 
it's every year. It's every game. It's every year. It doesn't matter. There's going to be complaining about the refs, but there's something special about this year that is giving me the replacement ref vibes that it feels like they, they just aren't getting it right. And I'm so tired of seeing the final two minute report or whatever that report was, that they break down all the NFL games or, or all the calls that were called in the clutch time penalty wise. And it just, it's not positive. It doesn't look good. It's bad, but to your point about Devonte, yes, dude is skilled. Dude is a freak. Dude did not have possession of that ball with one hand. If he did, it wouldn't. If he did, it wouldn't have been moving. The way that it was moving, it was still being bobbled. You got to get the extra foot down in there. And it's so hard for me to even have any comments or opinions about Devonte because especially the listeners are going to be like, "Well, it doesn't really matter what Steve says because he's still pissed off at Green Bay. Let him go." That's not the case. But you got to look at the tape. In my eyes, I don't think that it's a catch. And at the at the end of the day, I'm also the one that was vouching for the Romeo Dubs to be a catch against the New England here. So call spade a spade, I guess. To be fair, too, I'm very biased and I'm still very emotional over a game that's happened 72 hours ago that probably derailed the season. I think that I would have wanted that incomplete if it was against the Raiders. I'm actually very confident I would have. The only point I would say is that we've seen much more egregious calls stand and not be overturned and I think that was part of what bothered me after a second half that you could just feel that the refs were doing everything in their power to get right in Kansas City again and I think that was what it was the straw that broke the camel's back I you you felt that in frustration with the entire team which leads us to the Devontae Adams push which I'm sure you want to talk about it, it give me shit for but that was a culmination, I felt like, of a very frustrating three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long do you think Devontae should be in prison for? I'm just – my me personally, I think it should just be, I don't know, for the next four and a half, five years. Well, that's weird. It kind of just times up right by the end of his contract when he potentially would be a free agent. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think right around that time, probably the next four to five years, probably be on a probation for a decade after that. I'm just kind of spitballing here, Wally. Well, if you went off Twitter, he should be in jail. Throw away the key. You're watching the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary. You should just watch Monday Night Football. Just as egregious. That's no. That doesn't say Dahmer. It says Devonte on it. You're that right. Monster, Dahmer. monster, Devonte. <laughs> for all the people, and and if you want us to be the last, that that's cool. But obviously, I want your two cents because there's multiple angles of this video, and there's a lot of back and forth with. Yep, it was pretty obvious that he did this oh the angle right behind him well it looks like he didn't mean to push him the guy kind of came last minute all this stuff yada yada which side of the tape are you on because i'm ready to myth bust it right now well i'm going to sound like an old man yelling at a cloud again because i just get so frustrated with the idea of using someone else's success to cherry pick money or, or, or bring in money for yourself. Like, I know like the difference for like the, the home runs, like MLB home runs, like let's say you caught Aaron judges 62nd home run this year and you are taking or asking $2 million for the baseball. Yeah. Aaron, Bronx bombers. Absolutely. Aaron judge can choose to pay that or he can choose not to. It is not basically held over his head as a way to penalize him because you were in the right place at the right time. This guy 
was in a spot where he was not supposed to be. This is a player-restricted area. He runs in front of him. After two hours ago, maybe less, the Raiders had Chiefs fans berating and throwing shit at the team as they're entering the tunnel. Devontae Adams just had two plays back-to-back that could have won the Raiders the game. Go not with him. The team is super frustrated, and the guy moves in front of him very late. He shoves him over. You shouldn't have shoved him over. It was a shitty thing to do. It was a bully move. It's a thing I think he takes – he's probably ashamed of. Absolutely then, he is. Yeah, it's like he's a good person, and that's what – the way people are spinning this into Devontae Adams is this piece of shit because he decided to push a guy in, in the heat of the moment, should have offered to help him up, but then we see the other angle that you're talking about, and it just it, – it feels so much more predatory now that this guy is just going out – trying to get the bag off of this guy when I'm just really pissed off. I can't even get my irrational thought out. I just hope that he's not on the sidelines again because we, do you remember the Minnesota Vikings? (laughs) What did I do? Do you remember the Minnesota Vikings had a game where they were running out of the tunnel and one camera guy didn't know they were coming and he got decked at full speed by two Vikings. Guy got up and was laughing about it. And I'm supposed to take this man seriously who got gently pushed over and now is claiming he has whiplash and a concussion and he's going to, he's going to get money from Devonte. It's just, yep. I just hate where we're at in the world that this is not only okay, but it's being celebrated online. And that bothers me. So first and foremost, to everything that you said, yeah, Devontae is a great person. As someone who's seen him his entire career up until this point, that dude's been nothing but nice. You've seen, of course, all the videos are circulating. There's one in the Rams, I want to say the Rams playoff game or the regular season game, uh, Green Bay Rams last year, when he ran over one of his own guys. It wasn't a camera guy, but helped him up, got his hat back on. It was, oh, Troy Aikman, oh, yeah, this man is just so good. And then, yeah, everyone's so quick to turn the page. This is not Devontae, all right? This shit, it's wrong place, wrong time for that guy. Now, what I will say for, no, was it malicious? Absolutely not. The dude looked like he barely was pushing him, but at the end of the day, it's some random scrub freelancer photographer that was hired by ESPN for this job versus a professional athlete. So, yeah, the dude's going to go flying. He, He was Bambi. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, your mom's dead, bitch, and then just shoved him, right? But to your point, there's a lot of people coming to the defense. Well, I don't, you know, he didn't mean to. He did this. End of story. Devontae went to Twitter saying, I feel horrible doing this, showing remorse. I should never have done that. Heat of the moment. The dude did it. Was it as purposefully as people are saying? No, but the dude definitely meant to do it. And holy shit. Yeah. Are you going to walk it back? Guess what? Someone who did something wrong and then is getting backlash is walking, walking something back. Who would have fucking thought? It is the NFL after all. That's what all the NFL does. Give this dude a fucking break. Kudos to that guy getting the bag. Come on, man. If someone's pushing me, if someone's pushing me and they're making a lot of money, yeah, give me like 200000 Call it a day. See you, man. That's just a chunk out of the old checkbook. But what's killer Devontae Adams is a, a criminal. He's, to Wally's point, there's there's a lot of these people that are throwing even that thug word out there like that. And no, it's dude. bullshit. It's so bullshit. It is. He is now officially a Raider, though. I will say it. He's got it. He's got the misdemeanor charge. He is officially a Las Vegas slash Oakland Raider. And that's what it means to be a Raider for life. People having a long record. 
well, leave the man out of it. He's the fucking goat. He didn't. Did he mean to do it? Yeah, but I think he meant to do it just as much as he didn't mean to do it. Just fucking let it go. I'm excited to hear if the NFL decides to discipline because I want to know. They're going to have to. I I just, I'd love to hear. I I know that one's a protester, but Bobby Wagner literally decks a human being as hard as he can. That dude is actually concussed. That dude was actually fucking concussed. Yeah, but that, it's like completely fine where I'm just, I'm fine. I, I'm done talking about this. It's been a long week. You know, I, I just realized that in weeks that the Raiders lose, how much of a shitty person I must be. Because every person on my phone decides to text me when they lose, but it's radio silent when the Raiders win. And it happens all the time. I want to know what I do to make everyone I know hate me. And I'm, I am officially punting on the year. You guys can't hurt me anymore. It's penguin season. Bullshit. Um, for the record, I at least reach out with some flowers when they win. But man, am I that third? Uh, that was, I'm yeah, the first you are, at, you're not the problem. But I'm the first one at the gravesite when they lose. Best believe that. But it, that's fine. If you're if you're there giving flowers when I'm alive, you get to like piss on my grave. That's fine. It's the people that piss on my grave, and then when the Raiders go to the playoffs last year, I don't hear from them for 12 months. Those are the people that bother me. And I, again, I don't know what I do that I am so hateable or what I've done to these people, but whatever it is, I apologize. Let me just get out in front of it. I am sorry. Let it stop. Well, from one criminal to the next, we have Dan Snyder. His ownership status will not be voted on next week's ownership meeting. Honestly, I don't want to give any stardom here to Dan Snyder more than all the stories I've happening. But the reason behind that is apparently, quote, the NFL doesn't want to fuck with me. The NFL is a mafia, and I have a bunch of dirt on the rest of the owners. Shout out to the Packers fans. We have no owner, so there's no dirt on us. But, Wally, how much dirt do you think he has, and who is the number one owner that he has that dirt on? Oh, I'm sure he has plenty of dirt. I mean, these are super mega rich guys that have been around for generations and generations that haven't been as politically correct as ours. So I'm guaranteeing, I'm 100% sure that there are plenty of bad guys out there. As for owners with the most, I guess. With a target on their back. Yeah, I mean, target on your back. I would say, I mean, maybe if you're saying target on your back, I mean, you could possibly bring up Robert Kraft, especially given what happened a couple of years ago with the rub and tug. Mark Davis is another one, given the fact that owners already didn't have a great relationship with his father and Mark Davis has now these allegations that came out over the summer about it being a not safe workplace for women. So, I I mean, I think that you could honestly point to almost any of them. It's a bunch of 80 year old white dude that, you know, have some skeletons in their closet. They're so rich. They have a closet specifically for their skeletons. We can always, I want to say Stephen Jones is the name uh, for the Dolphins owner or Stephen Ross, one of those, you know, I think that we would know that based off the stories here. I am most surprised that I did not hear the name Jerry Jones. You're going to fucking tell me that guy doesn't have anything. Okay, that he's that's, a, that's a really good one. Do you want, do you want to talk about non PC? That dude's been in Texas his whole life. You were telling me that he has never sniffed an email dropping the N-bomb, dropping an F-bomb, dropping any other bomb that is a derogatory term to anybody that isn't a white person. A thousand percent. 
well, maybe not an email. I don't think that dude knows how to work email. But you know, there is some sort of track record with that dude. There's some sort of dirty money. And he's like the most lovable quote unquote owner, not not loved by me. I don't mind him, but I'm not like a huge Jerry Jones fan. But there is got it. That is the number one place I'm going up to dig up some dirt. It has to be him. With how much money these owners have and Dan Snyder has, if he is putting and allocating a bunch of resources to find dirt out, dirt's out there. I mean, we all have dirt and those guys have a lot of dirt. So I'm sure that there's a reason that these guys aren't voting for it. I mean, the article that came out earlier even had where it was Dan Snyder, just like the mafia, we all hate each other. And there was like a real quick anonymous quote from another owner saying, we all don't hate each other. We all just hate Dan. And I just, it's a war. <laughs> it, we're about to go. It, it's going to be a cold war. Who's going to be the one to make the first move? Or is there going to be a settlement out there? So I, I'm interested. It won't be resolved anytime soon. That's for sure. We are done with the NFL stories. I don't want to talk about Dan Snyder more than we have to. Let's get into our week six picks. Before I toss it over to Wally to give us a rundown, we want you to know this week's NFL week six picks. Brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you're Wally and I's age, when, when you feel like there's college graduations, engagements, wedding pictures, baby pictures, you name it, they're happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Go check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y. Or on her Instagram, saw dad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. I mean, hell, I've been... I went to a wedding, uh, two weddings within a calendar week, six days of each other. I'm off here a little bit, got two back-to-back in December. I'm telling you, it's always popping. Wally, week five, how the hell do the boys do? What the hell's going on out here? You were the one that came out on top this last week. You were about two units up. David had a tough week, as you alluded to at the top of the show. And I am, once again, bleeding you guys. I went 11 and 12 yet again. And I lost two more units, slow bleed. And I, I'd love to tell you it's going to get better. But at this point, I'm just telling you probably to fade me. That's where I'm at. I, I'm done. I'd fade me. I just want to go on the record. 33 and 19 over the past two weeks. I'll get it, which means I am screwed for this week. We already got the bye weeks coming here. It's pretty early. We got your Raiders, the Lions, the Titans, and the Texans already in the bye week. We're going to start it off with what some people are are calling an actual football game. Thursday night, Washington commies are headed up to Chicago at Soldier Field where the Bears, that's right, the Bears are one-point favorites. The total set at 37 and a half. Wally, how are you feeling about this glorious Thursday night game? You kind of hit it. I mean, after last week, you kind of felt like nothing can get worse than what happened in Indianapolis, or I guess in Denver with Indianapolis and the Denver Broncos. But if something could be worse, this is it. Like there's a real chance. This is a very low quality football game. I know the bears are one point favorites. I'm taking the bears just outright. I'm taking them money line and I'm going to take the under. I don't think a lot of points are going to go out there. I know Carson Wentz is really good on Thursday nights. But I'm not buying into that. I think that that is a really toxic atmosphere in Washington, and I think it keeps getting worse. Take the Bears in the under. How about you? Where are you at? Well, Cl- well, first off, Clayman already has already declared this the David Clayman worst game of the week here, worst quality football game of the week contender, as he would say. 
He's going to go with the Washington plus one of their money line. He's going solely because of their D line and, and how they can disrupt fields in that offense. Honestly, I'm going to go with David on this one. I'm going to go with the Washington commies. I still want to call them the Washington football team. I'm calling them that from now on. The Washington football team are, I'm taking them plus one. Give me that under 37 and a half. This game is rough, not great defense, horrific offenses to watch. This will be the best secondary that Carson Wentz has faced outside of Jacksonville. Which, okay, that, take, that, take that as you will. Uh, Justin Fields is going to have a tough time again to David's point here. Why do I love the under? These are two teams in the top five of sacks given up. 20 for Washington, 18 for Chicago. And this will be a defensive game with a couple of long balls that I think that will hit for scores, but that's about it. Carson Wentz, 6-0 straight up Thursday night games, 5-1 against the spread in that span. Everyone knows what the under record is for these primetime games. That's 11-5 here so far this season. I'm going to nail that under. Give me Washington plus one. Tampa Bay is going into Pittsburgh. Eight and a half point road favorites. That's a big number, especially given that Pittsburgh just got blown out last week. Totals 44 and a half. David has the Steelers at plus eight and a half and Tampa Bay money line. Much for the same reasons that I have Pittsburgh plus eight and a half is that the Steelers got embarrassed to a level that we never see a proud franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers get embarrassed last week. The thing was the last time it happened was 1989 against the Browns that they lost that badly. 51, nothing. I'm pretty sure was that score. Yeah, it it was, they threw a 50 burger on them. And I think it was at three rivers too, if I'm not mistaken. It was. This is where I think Mike Tomlin really earns his stripes and he proves that he is the coach that we think he is. I think that not only do they cover, I'm going to go back down, you, you know, damned if you, you, you think you get me once. I'm going back to the well. I'm taking the Steelers to win this game too in the no. over a 44 and a half. I mean, here's the deal, Steven. It's not like this Tampa Bay team has done anything special this year. Even last week when we thought they started figuring it out, Atlanta was a terrible roughing the passer away from potentially scoring 22 unanswered and beating the Bucs. I think that the, the Bucs are way, way too much uh, Vegas darlings at this point. At the very least, the Steelers will cover. And again, I said, I have eight and a half money line in the over. Kenny Pickett's going to get points and he's going to get his first career win at home in front of that wonderful crowd at Akersher. Akersher, I always forget that. I think that Pitt will bounce back. I'll give you that, but they're going up against a healthy and arguably a better defense than they dealt with in Buffalo. And at least better, you can give me at least the secondary. Maybe the front seven for Buffalo is a little bit better because they're healthier. The secondary is banged up there. But Tampa Bay, that front seven is going to take advantage of that line. And the secondary, like I said, if not the best in football, right up in there. And they are, Tom Brady and the offense is really leaning on that unit right now to keep them going up. I'm going to take Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. I think that this could be one of those games that I can't see. We were talking last week. We can't see Tom Brady losing three in a row. I also can't see him losing three out of the four. Not meaning that Pitt can't cover this to David and Wally's point here on the plus eight and a half. But right now I want Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. I think this is a game that they can get it together. And with a lot of question marks with what the Steelers defense is looking like without TJ Watt, if, if Kenny Pickett's going to get enough time, sure. I'd like that you took the money line, Wally, the fucking balls on this guy, but you got to stop drinking the icy light, bud. You're getting too Homer right now. That's the crazy thing is that all my buddies out here think I hate the Steelers. 
So the fact that I'm getting called a Steelers homer is awesome because I I don't know. I just we're so used to this. Like Steven, I know that you're giant diehard NFC North guy, but like having grown up in like Pittsburgh and Cleveland nonstop, like all I grew up every Sunday was watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. And they've never been bad. When they had Tommy Maddox, when they had Charlie Batch, they still were what about good. Cordell Stewart. It hasn't sunk in. Cordell Stewart, they were still at least functional. I mean, this is it's uncharted territory. And it's really hard for me to just truly in like believe that they're bad. So I just can't do it. I can't do it. The Jaguars are heading up to Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts are a point-and-a-half favorite. The total set at 42-and-a-half. In David's words, Indy suck. I'm out on them until proven otherwise. He's taking the Jags spread and money line. For me, I'm going the other direction. Give me the Colts minus one-and-a-half. Indy needs this win badly. Stop me if you've heard that before this early in the season already. At home is the only place that they can beat Jacksonville who is looking to not extend a losing streak to three games here. Jonathan Taylor's back at practice today. From everything that I've seen, it looks like Darius Leonard should be checking those boxes and hopefully available as well in this game, which is always a great sign when you have two of your best players, including the best player on your team back here. I expect a different indie team that got shut out in Duval just a couple weeks ago. And again, these are the only games that they can beat Jacksonville when they're up in Indy. Give me the Colts minus one and a half with this, Wally. You know, you make a lot of good points, and it is a weird kind of series between these two teams. The last 10 times these teams have played, the home teams won. So history is on your side. But for whatever reason, big history guy, got to love history, repeats itself, as they say. David, some may say. I'm not not some. Some may say, though. As you said, David, I mean, he's kind of in my camp again, where he has plus one and a half in the money line. I have just money line. I mean, the Colts have by far the worst DBOA in the entire league. And they're egregiously lower than all the other teams. They're so bad. As David would say, they stink. They are a terrible team. It's hard for me to really think that this is going to be the magic week that the Colts offense gets it clicking. I think that the Jaguars also need this game. So we talk about the Colts really need it. If the Jaguars, I think they have division aspirations all of a sudden. You can't go to two and four. Even with how bad this division is, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself in the latter half of the schedule. I think the better football team wins. And that's why I'm taking the Space Cats from Duval because they could beat them on the moon right now, Steven. 27 to 10, the Jaguars. Get it done. Take them. Money line. You are, you are so ridiculous. I love this. I love this. Move it on, baby. Move it on. I will. I'll move us on. Speaking of cats, we'll go to the jungle cats instead. Jesus, They're one and on a half point. They are one and a half point favorites in the big easy facing the Saints, where they might be running into a familiar quarterback. Totals 43 and a half. David has them. By them, the Bengals winning this game, he has a minus one and a half as well. I'll read my thoughts and I'll throw it over to you here, Stephen. This is potentially the third time that the Bengals could face off against the Red Rifle. This time, however, there's at least a little confusion of who's going to be the starter on Sunday. Whether it's Jameis, he's back at practice. There's people clamoring for Taysom Hill to go back and actually be a weird Wildcat quarterback in the meantime. 
I'm with you. It's a bad idea, but people are. What he's doing that. now is perfectly fine. Completely this is agree. Where he, this is where he just thrives. Like, and obviously, like Dennis Allen's picking up right where Sean Payton left off and using him in that in that jackknife type deal or, or Swiss Army knife, I should say. Keep him. Do, keep doing what you're doing with him. Do not make him have play quarterback. You're completely right. You want him in there. I feel like that tennis snaps a game, even as a decoy occasionally. But you don't want him that much. We saw what that can look like at times. And they're really setting football back to like the 60s if you're making him your quarterback. But regardless of what of the threes you're going to be starting on Sunday, I think the Bengals are fine. I don't think they're going to have an issue with this offense. My biggest question is, can Joe Shiesty and Jamar Dazzling their homecoming to Louisiana? And if they can do that, they should win and they should win easily. But we haven't seen that yet this year. They haven't been good. It hasn't been clicking. I think they're going to be able to do enough to win, but we have to at some point start seeing it from this Bengals team, or we have to really start wondering if they're just not that good. But until we get there, I'm taking Bengals minus one and a half. Tell me you're with me. I am not. I'm going to go with New Orleans plus one and a half. Give me the Saints money line as well. And to your point, right? The Bengals are looking to get back to 500. Joey B and Jamar Chase going back to their old stomping grounds. I feel a little bit more confident depending on if t higgins is going to be back or not on this pick on the other side jarvis landry michael thomas still haven't been dnp here I, I believe through both days here this week so that's something you're going to want to keep your eye on that's going to help you flip this a little bit but i like this team in new orleans they're a 60 yard bomb of a field goal from potentially being a three and two team and going into overtime and beating minnesota in london here a couple weeks back i just don't feel any good energy from cincy right now right when you think they're getting it clicking in Right when they take one step forward, they take three steps back, it feels like. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis are locked on to make that O-line. Their days just a living hell. The Saints just match up really well against the Bengals. I like what that secondary is doing, and I like what that team as a whole is doing early in the season. Yes, the defense isn't as high to the standards that we're used to seeing in the New Orleans Saints the past few years, but they, they are still very competitive, and I think that they can lock it down, come away, come away with a win, Get back to that 500 with back-to-back wins. Money line plus one and a half for the for them Saints. The New York Jets take flight to fly over here to Green Bay, where the Packers are seven-point favorites. Total set at 45 and a half. David going with the Jets plus seven, but Green Bay money line. In his words, this is tough. The Jets have been playing better than expected. Green Bay worse than expected, but I'm expecting them Packers to bounce back here a little bit. I wish I could be that positive. Give me the Jets plus seven. Until proven otherwise, I am taking the points of the Packers opponents for the next few weeks. The Jets, to David's point, they've been playing solid football right now. They're fresh off a 40-point victory or hanging 40 points during their victory against the Dolphins here this past week. Bryce Hall has been putting up some solid games against a rush defense that's been kind of struggling over here the past couple of weeks in Green Bay. I expect Brees Hall to have a solid game. I just have no confidence in my Packers to cover this week. My God, if they lose Wally, make room on that pessimistic wagon because I am hopping right on. Something that's going to completely shoot me in the foot. Matt LaFleur, 6-0, and following a loss against the spread, no matter what it is, 6-0. and Take that as you will. Sounds like it's going to be the first loss for me against the spread. Wally, who are you picking in my pack uh, versus Jets here? The Cinderella of football so far this year has been the two New York teams. There's a, a big difference to me, though, is that the Giants have actually 
beaten the teams they've played, whereas the Jets have got a little lucky. It doesn't matter how you get the wins. That's important to say because they are three and two. And it takes a lot to win games in the NFL, regardless of how it happens. That being said, they should have lost to the Browns. They probably should have lost to the Ravens. They're not that good yet. They're still a ways away. And this is also a, a, a Packers team that is feeling a little bit of the heat. They're in the public eye in the microscope right now and about the offense not being as well as they thought. Analytics actually disagree. They actually think the Packers offense has been okay. In fact, it's actually been pretty good. It's the defense yeah. that has been bad. I will give credit to the, the Jets. Sauce Gardner looks like the real deal. He looks like a top five corner in this league. He earned that nickname, Sauce. But the problem is, is that the Jets' run defense isn't great. And given what happened last week in London, I think Green Bay is going to make it an emphasis to get the ball to the AJs. And because of that, I think that they're going to have a real difficult time slowing up the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers in a passing game will actually – do well and flourish because of what the running game is able to do. I think back-to-back weeks, I'm going to be an idiot and pick against the New York teams and with the Packers, but I think this they get right again. This is a healthy dose of the run game. They get back on track. R-E-L-A-X, relax. Green Bay minus seven. I have them winning 34 to 16. And just in the off chance, since I'm sure that you, that you nailed it down, I just can't remember because – I have horrible memory. We all know why. Aaron Jones leads the NFL with yards per carry average, like 6.3. He is 19th in the league in attempts. Get him, to your point, both the AJs the ball. That's what makes your offense click. Get your fucking head out of your ass, Matt LaFleur. Let's play some football with those two. Yeah, don't don't be sexy in this game. It's about getting back on track getting the offense to kind of get a little bit more of an identity. Cause right now you can feel they're trying to live off that pass, pass happy mentality and the rookie wide receivers and the young wide receivers aren't ready. You might as well at least lean on the running game until they are. Agreed. New England is going to Cleveland where the Browns are two and a half point favorites. Total is 43 and a half. Really interesting game. When you factor in that these are two teams that are both two and three probably both feel like they're much better than their record says probably have games that they really regret losing earlier in the year. David went money line for Cleveland in the under 43 and a half. He points out that this is a Belichick game where they're going to be able to slow up Chubb a little bit. I'm going to disagree. I mean, I guess I agree in part where the Belichick part, I don't think the Browns are going to win this game. I, I think that this is where new England's actually going to, Start get a little bit of momentum here. I mean, the Browns can't tackle, as David so eloquently said in that rant of his on Monday. <laughs> Belichick knows that. They're going to make it a priority or make it a, a point to make the Browns not only tackle, but tackle in space, one-in-one positions. You're going to see a lot of things underneath, whether it be Bailey Zappe or Mac Jones. It sounds like either or could be the starter right now. I don't think it matters. I think that they're going to be able to do enough. And if they can slow up Nick Chubb in the run game, we have to remember Jacoby Brissett, where did he get his break into the league? In New England. And Bill Belichick knows him probably as well as anybody else. He knows Jared Goff pretty well. Look what happened last week. 
he obviously has certain quarterbacks numbers. If he has Jacoby's, I'm going to feel pretty good about myself at four o'clock on Sunday. I have them winning a really, really tight game. Maybe come down to a field goal again, Cleveland fans, but I have new England winning 21 to 20. So new England outright. Who are you with David or me? I'm going with the dog pound this one. Give me that Cleveland money line. I don't want to touch that spread. Like David said, it's Billy B. He's ready, he's ready to head back to his old stomping grounds. But the Pats are giving up 129 yards per game on the ground, where the Browns on the other side are averaging just under 200 at 192 yards. They do not need to pass the ball a single time in this game, and I think that they can come out victorious like the Pats did against uh, the Bills here in that infamous win game last year. If as long as you can minimize the errors in the secondary, if it's either against uh, Bailey Zappi or if it, or if it's against Mac Jones, that's where you're going to really thrive. You got Miles Garrett now; he's getting another game under his belt post car accident. Hopefully, was Jadavion Clowney in last week? That's how much I did even want to pay attention. He's back. There you go. I like what they're doing. There's yeah, there's a, well, a highly graded rookie guard or tackle that the Pats have. Outside of that, I don't really like their O-line that much, but I expect Miles and Co. to really be able to pin their ears back in this one and just get after that quarterback. Also, thing that we're all missing out on, this is a redemption game of the ass-kicking New England gave to them last year. They have to have this in the back of their mind. Nick Chubb, going to have a day. Kareem Hunt is most likely also going to have a day. Give me the Brownies money line. Here we go, Brownies. <clears throat> here we go. Our next game here on the slate, we have the Minnesota Vikings traveling down to the Hard Rock Stadium where they are three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Dolphins. That total is set at 45-and-a-half. David's going to keep it simple and easy. Skylar Thompson starting. Give me Minnesota points and give me their money line. That's really all you need to say, David. Perfect. It's gorgeous. What a poet that we have here on the podcast. I'm going to take Miami plus three-and-a-half, but I'm going to go with the Minnesota money line. The Dolphins are banged up. Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill are expected to be playing this week. Turn Armstead, though, their star tackle. I know he had a DNP here on Wednesday. I believe he had a DNP here today as well. So he's going to be questionable or have a question mark heading into this, which is going to be huge, especially when Daniil Hunter and Tadarius Thomas are on the other side of that line, lining up, ready to get after your third-string quarterback, expecting you to put in your fourth-string quarterback. At least the Vikings have – a game and a half, almost two full games of film to pull from Skylar Thompson, where it's not one of these Bailey Zappies where there's really not any information or any tape that Green Bay could get while you know being able to go up against them, right? I think that there's going to be enough here. Miami is giving up the fifth most yards through the air, 227. While Minnesota is a top 10 in the passing regarding yards, they're, they're about seventh, but Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, I'm expecting to have solid games. Maybe my man Irv Smith is going to get a load of the ball. We all know what Dalvin Cook can do there. Give me Minnesota money line, but for some reason, those teams traveling up north, going down to Florida, they never really play well. I think that they can squeak it in, but give me the Miami points as well. See, I I really wanted to go with you because I really want to believe that Miami is going to answer, especially given how tough the last couple of weeks are. But playing Skylar Thompson, I think it's going to be too much to overcome. I know he wasn't terrible in that last game, but there's also time to prepare for him now. Minnesota's defense has been bad, it, like really bad, like really bad. So there is a chance. There's a, like If you're a Dolphins fan, I like you have the belief that you can actually win this game outright. I don't think it happens, though. I do think a lot of points come partly because of how bad Minnesota's defense is. I have Minnesota win this game 31-21. to 21. 
So I have them covering the three and a half and over 45 and a half. Couple quick notes though. Teron Armstead, to your point, he did not practice again today uh, with his toe injury. So you were right on there. And the other thing, I want to get your, your two cents on this because Dave and I were texting about it right before we recorded. Teddy Bridgewater is still in protocol when he had no symptoms on Sunday, didn't stumble on Sunday. Is this Miami overcorrecting and really trying to cover their ass? Or do you think that maybe this is proof that the sky judges saying that players are unstable or unstable? Yeah. In, like instability, unstable. I got there. Yeah. Unstable. I was right. You're, dog, you're right, baby. Yeah. We got there. Do you think it's more that where it's like proof that they know what they're doing and this is a really good rule change? No, I think it's overcorrection, right? That the last thing that they need is, is backlash. Just like, just like the NFL in itself, now they're starting to really walk it back and being extra cautious about this. Because can you imagine how much backlash they would have gotten? Even with everything you said, they passed it. Uh, if they have like the independent neuro, uh, neurologist on there that's going to be able to look at it, cool. You have the sky judges seeing if he's, if he's wobbling, if he's stumbling around. If he passes it with flying colors, not even concussed, does not matter. They were going to receive backlash anyway. So now they're just kind of rolling with the punches. And it's funny. No one's talking about this. No one's talking about Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. This guy's like concussed. He's not going to play. People are like, well, look at us. Look how far we have came the last two weeks. That was two. We're the, we're the four there. thinkers of concussion protocol. The Miami Dolphins. Yeah. That's what we're known as. You're welcome, NFL. Yeah. So I think they're overcorrecting, but they need to because they're – they're making up for what, how bad they fucked up with Tua. When they're in, in theory, they're making up on paper. They, they aren't making up because Tua's not even going to be sniffing maybe week eight or week nine based off how what they're doing here. Like he's now getting limited practices in. He is fine. Apparently he's been passing, but they're like, oh well, he has a couple of symptoms here and there. We're going to keep it going. When if they never got backlash, this kid would have been playing the following week after ten days of rest. You probably are right. Baltimore, they're six-point road favorites going up against the G-men at MetLife. Total is 44.5. David has Baltimore money line in this game. I am going Baltimore minus six, though. I am taking the points. I was a little scared about this at first. When I actually first did these picks, I had Giants plus six is mine. But then when I started digging into a little more, they have Don Wink Martindale, as many of us know. He's got the most defensive coordinator look to him out of any guy in the entire league right now. And even more perfectly, he blitzes like it's the 1980s, and he's the, 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 the defensive coordinator with one of those teams. The problem, though, is that Lamar Jackson has been phenomenal against the blitz this year. Great, Wally. Very, very good. That Miami game's a great one to point to where he actually had a perfect passer rating. He did not throw an incompletion. He dominated. It just so happened that the Ravens defense played football that day as well. <laughs> but the Ravens rush defense, they're going to be up for the task in this one, the slow up Saquon. And if you make them throw the ball with Daniel Jones, that's when the Giants become much more of the Giants of old opposed to the Giants of new. I think because of that and because we're used to seeing the Ravens jump up early, the Ravens are going to cover in this game. 
And I honestly don't think it's going to be that hard. I have it 28 to 17 is the final score here. How about you? See, so I'm going to go with the Giants plus six. And I think the Ravens are going to win this game. That's that's not what the issue is. But with with the Wink Martindale coming back, he knows that how to game plan against Lamar, what he needs to do, which I guess it doesn't really sound like that. To your point, he really wants to blitz a lot. If you if you know your quarterback you know, or your ex-quarterback, you know you can't blitz. This isn't Daniel Jones. Baltimore is still allowing the most passing yards in the league. Even Daniel Jones, hell, even Justin Fields can can throw all over the field against this Ravens defense. It is so bad. They are a top 12 team against the run defensively. So maybe Saquon's going to be used more of, you know, running a little bit of bubble routes, just coming out of the backfield, maybe just line him up in the slot, do something, be creative, Brian Dayball, which I'm sure he is. This team is Average at pressuring and sacking the quarterback. So on top of that, Danny Dimes is going to have the opportunity to use his arm, like I said, four ones. I like the G-man. I'm riding the G-man wave right now. Although I do, like I said, expect Baltimore to win and not lose their sixth straight at home, which we were talking about here a couple weeks ago. But I do like the New York football giants to cover here plus six. The San Francisco 49ers are headed down to Atlanta. The Niners are five and a half point favorites. Total set at 44 and a half. First of all, shout out to my boy, Evan Desiker, who is currently traveling down to Atlanta right now because his boy, his boy, who's boys with Jimmy G, was able to hook him up with some box seats. So he gets to go back, chill on the box seats, get to watch a little bit of his Falcons, uh, most likely lose. But I have Atlanta covering the plus five and a half. The only team undefeated against the spread here this year. That's right. They are five and oh. How could you not take that point? How can you not take the points based off that? 110 yards per game. They're, they're giving up about 110 yards per game on the ground. Something that San Francisco is average around 139 on. San Fran has the best defense right now in terms of yardage, but don't sleep on Atlanta, who is getting Kyle Pitts back. And what you were mentioned earlier is a blown roughing the passer call away from potentially being able to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how great that defense is. Oh, yeah. Also forgot to add, black jerseys, silver pants, all red helmets. I'm not betting against that. Give me the Falcons plus five and a half, baby. Wow, you took the words out of my mouth, stole my thunder a little bit. I literally was just going to say, as you guys know, I'm a giant uniform junkie. I'm not betting oh, against. I didn't even see that. I'm sorry. You're so fine. The You aren't going to ever find me betting against a team that's whipping out uniforms like this. I had Patriot Pat last week. I had the white Bengal the week before. I'm going with the red Falcon this week. I don't even need statistics to be on my side, but the Falcons will cover five and a half. This is a San Francisco offense that hasn't looked very good. They did go to Carolina and did well last week, but we also know that the Panthers completely disinterested. Matt Rule lost the locker room. It makes you wonder how much you can count on that. The Falcons, I know their defense isn't good, but – until we see sustained success from the 49ers offense, I'm not going to buy in. So give me the Red Falcons. Give me the plus five and a half. I'm right there with you. And good luck to you, Evan Desker. Enjoy your box seats. Carolina in the Los Angeles Rams. A game yeah. where I don't know if you'll have half a stadium full. You don't got fans. They, with all due respect to you, Carolina fans ain't traveling to L.A. for this team. What do you, hey, you ain't disrespecting You're anybody. from Carolina. I, I, I just meant I like talk, the, the. I talk the most shit about a hometown team than you can ever, than you'll ever meet. Okay. I was more or less, I'm like, I felt bad because Carolina is, I, I'm not saying it's a bad football area. I'm just saying 
they're not traveling they to LA for a game. Yeah, yeah, they know who they are. Yeah, and well, and LA is not traveling to LA for a game either, so that should make Carolina feel better. <laughs> the Rams are 10-point favorites at quote-unquote home. The total is 41 and a half. David has Rams minus 10 in the money line. He just says Carolina is terrible, but so is the Rams offense. And 10 seems like too much, but I think they cover. That was kind of an ox or what oxymoron. So appreciate you there, Davey. Uh, I'm going to come back around and I'm going to take the under a 41 and a half and Carolina plus 10 for the same reasons David just said, even though he went the other way, this is a new tenure in Carolina. Even if it's Steve Wilkes, it's an interim staff. You have to imagine whenever such a black cloud of a, a terrible regime is over you, when they finally get fired, there's a lot of motivation to show not only the world, but yourself in that locker room that we're better than what we're putting out there each week. And I think you're going to see that in this game. And that's why I think Carolina plays it close. Tends too big of a number. I'm not going to pick a money line. The Rams do win, but I think it's an ugly low scoring game. I have it as 21 to 16 yeah i'm not i'm not taking the rams to lose in this game either would that be three in a row right because it'd be back to back that they've already lost give me carolina plus 10 though these double digit spreads i've never been a fan of and in what world am i taking the rams to cover this game they have looked horrible offensively carolina does have the third lowest rack uh, sack rate here with just eight on the year so far so maybe matt stafford could throw the ball Carolina isn't really popping out to you defensively as they were kind of towards the tail end of the year, somewhere that they can hang their hat on. But I like, if I like their secondary, if I like anything on that side of the ball, it's so proven. Otherwise I cannot comfortably take the Rams with a 10 point spread. They will get the win and they'll get back in the W column, but give me the thirds plus 10 fun fact. Both these teams are one and four against the spread this year. Interesting. That's all I got to say. That's kind of gross. That's it's fucked. One of these teams is still going to be two games back of 500 ATS. So what are you going to do? The next game that we have here on the slot, we have the Arizona Cardinals who are three point favorites traveling up to Seattle. That total is set at 50 and a half. David's got the over 50 and a half. This game is weird. I don't like the spread nor picking anyone. Just let me get this right. Just hammer Seattle's over baby. David, I hope I did that justice for you. That's him for you. That I think anybody that knows David knows exactly how that sounded. So you executed that really well. I'm with him on the over, at least. Uh, I, I think that any Seattle game right now, it feels very hard to go against it. I have Seattle Moneyline as well, because I'll tell you why. High-scoring game means you have to bet with the better or hotter quarterback, and it's Geno Smith. Geno Smith is better than Kyler Murray right now. He's playing better. The offense in general, again, going back to DVOA, I can't believe I'm saying this, at week six in the season, the Seahawks have the highest ranked offense in the league right now. It is surreal, something that nobody saw coming. I seriously, Nadi, that wasn't even like a humble brag. No one saw that coming. No. I have Geno getting it done 34 to 31. So, like David, I'm two-plus touchdowns north of the over as well. So, take the Hawks money line, take the over, and I can see you're already disagreeing with me by the look on your face. So, let's hear why. Not so fast, boys. Arizona is one of the best under teams in the league this year. They've gone 4-1 and one through the first five weeks. 
the unders across the NFL are hitting at a 59% clip, as well as the division unders are 20 and eight so far this year. Give me the under 50 and a half. Give me the Seattle Seahawks at plus three because this Arizona team is just not right. Maybe next week when you get D hop back, but I just, to your point, cannot trust them. I will still sprinkle on and I'm still staying on this one. Take Seattle first quarter in the points as well. I haven't done my research about last week's or last week's doesn't matter. Arizona's getting outscored in the first quarter, every single game outside of the Carolina Panthers game here a couple weeks back. I'm the, I'm the black sheep of this bet. Give me the under 50 and a half. I'm riding the historical wave and, and the analytics on here. Something I have lived long enough to become the villain. Now I am going to analytics. I hate this. Do you have Seattle's record in overs this year? Because I bet it's four and one or five and oh themselves. So Seattle is three and two overall with their overs. They started 0 and two. They've hit it three straight games. So it only seems right that they're going to hit the under on this one. Just saying. Eh, all right. At least, uh, at least Gino will win. That's all I ask. The Buffalo Bills are traveling to Arrowhead here, where the Bills are two and a half point favorites against the Kansas City Chiefs. That total is sent to 53 and a half. Sheesh. Loctus has the best quality game of, the, of this week. I'll probably be all wrong in the end, but this team has an axe to grind against Kansas City, and I'm here for the shootout. Buffalo money line over 53 and a half. I hope I did my best David impression, or at least relayed that message well, like David would. That was David's thoughts. Give me Buffalo minus two and a half and give me their money line. Four words. Last year's playoff game. Playoff is one word, right? Because if not, I look like a fucking moron. Buffalo is hungry. They're ready to conquer this monster. We all know, all know is the Kansas City Chiefs. And it will make them the most dangerous team in the league when they do win here. Give me Bills Mafia circling that wagon at two and a half in their money line, Walter. You know, I feel obligated to tell you now that you said that and you asked about playoff. We talked about... Paul Bizonette, the guy I'm spitting chiclets earlier. Canadians love to call the playoffs playoff. Like, are you going to make playoff? And it, every time I hear it, it like throws me through. If it's one of the only Canadian things I have never been able to get behind. And bagged milk. And bagged milk. Although I haven't tried bagged milk. So jury's out on that one. I'm taking Buffalo minus two and a half and over a 53 and a half. I mean, Steven, you're right. Last year's playoff game still real, feels really fresh in everyone's minds, and probably most so in Buffalo. It's been a long six, seven, eight months to get back, and they remember that coin flip. They're not going to need it this time around. This Bills team, however hampered their secondary and their defense is with injuries, it's a very motivated team. I refuse to believe Josh Allen and the Bills don't go in and get a win. So, again, I'm taking Bills minus two and a half over 53 and a half. I have the score being 35 to 31, which gets us sent into the Sunday night football game, which I can't stop saying this over the last few weeks, but how great is it to have an NFC East matchup on Sunday night football that we're not upset about? It's like the first time in, in years I can remember, but Dallas is going, and I should preface that the four and one Dallas Cowboys four and oh with Cooper Rush, mind you, they are traveling to Lincoln Financial Field where the Philadelphia Eagles are four and a half. Scratch that. Six and a half point favorites. Total is 42 and a half. David has plus six and a half 
to Dallas in the Philadelphia money line. He's most interested in this this week because he wants to find out if Dallas is a pretender or a contender. If they do best Philly, the NFC East is wildly up in the air and it's really interesting. He's not going to have his way though. And I'm going to have the Eagles minus six and a half. (laughs) And it's because this is going to be a game within a game. You hear me talk about it week in and week out about how good the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is. Analytically, they haven't really lived up to the expectations yet. And I think that's really scary for the rest of the league. Because if they're not clicking on all cylinders and their offense is still doing this right now, what's going to happen when they are? And on the flip side, the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles, led by Fletcher Cox, they really haven't had to be challenged a lot in the run game so far because they've been up in so many of these games. Dallas is going to make it a priority to run the ball. And they their identity really is playing with the lead with Cooper Rush as well. Everything hinders on that. So I think that Philadelphia will be ready. They're going to make Cooper Rush throw the ball around a little bit. And I don't think Zeke and uh, Tony Pollard are going to be able to answer the bell. And for that reason, I'm taking Fletcher Cox and that interior defensive line to stand tall and the Eagles win this game 24 to 17. Steven, who do you got in this one? Give me Dallas plus six and a half. And give me that under 42 and a half. I know this sounds crazy right now with the clip that the Philadelphia Eagles have been scoring at, but I am riding the wave on this division, the the under on these divisional matchups right now. 20 and eight, like I said, so far, that's what the unders are hitting on with this. To David's point, I think that this game should say, or I guess opposite of David's point, I think this game is going to say more about Philly being a, a contender or pretender versus Dallas. I think, I think Dallas is a contender right now. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think they're definitely a solid wild card spot that can make some noise here based on how that team as a whole unit is playing right now. But Philly has been looking like a world beater. But let's not forget that the Cowboys own this team and they own this franchise since Dak has taken over. I mean, I think they won both games last year. Dallas put up, they Dallas beat this total themselves last year in both their games. So I remember watching that. And man, did Dallas just give it to them. This is where they made their bread and butter. This is why Dak Prescott got paid all this money for really no reason. I like what this team is doing right now in Dallas, as much as it pains me to say it. But give me the Cowgirls plus six and a half. Take the under at 42 and a half. Careful there, Troy Aikman. Oh, my God. Okay, that's something that I... You know what? I just wish I had more traction on Twitter. The fact that no one, the only person who loves Devontae for what they did is Troy Aikman. You know why? Because no one's talking about what Troy Aikman said. I don't really care. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. I guess it is a big of a deal now and just taking the temperature of what the United States is PC wise. It was so hilarious. It's like, oh, dude, man, you definitely played football in the 80s and 90s. You obviously have some concussions and problems, but it was hilarious just the frustration of a guy who got the shit kicked out of him when you played the nfl back then and for them to just be softening up the quarterback hits and all this stuff i get the frustration troy aikman i mean i can't really say anything i don't i I don't have a great mouth but my god you got you're on national television just say something else yeah no i mean you're right i mean it's one of those things where he won't face any like real penalties from it but and he shouldn't for the record because i mean just being completely honest, that's something that you, we've probably all said at one point in our lives. We're growing. We understand. We're learning. We're becoming better people. And you can describe. That, you are. Yeah, well, we're, we're trying. We're trying to be better people. 
And yes, there it is. And it's like one of those things where there's other vocabulary you can use. So I get why some people are upset. It didn't bother me, but of course I'm not the person that would be bothered by it. So you're right though. It definitely took off some steam because there were some people talking about it before the Devontae push. All I'm saying is I think he said that because he was, um, I think he's a big advocate for the uh, lingerie football league and that those were the dresses that he was talking about. Well, and he's just like, they don't wear dresses either. Like, Good for them. Hard-nosed football. They don't get rough in the pass or calls. Boom. See, we're on the same wavelength. The next game on the slate, the last one, the Monday night football matchup between the Denver Broncos headed out to Los Angeles where the Chargers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. The total set at over the total set at 45 and a half and who the hell keeps putting Denver in the primetime slots my god you need to lose your job I get it the reason that they have these primetime games and they always play shitty games if you don't know shout out to my boy Dylan Watts is because of the markets they're in you know what's really big markets Chicago guess who's on tonight Washington who also has a pretty solid market that's just how it goes unfortunately you got you got LA here's a solid market for some reason Denver's a really solid market that's why it keeps happening. Let alone they just want to see Russ struggle with whatever he has his injury with. Give me the Chargers at the four and a half favorite. And I'm riding the wave, baby. Give me the under 45 and a half. This one I actually feel the most conf- confident on because the 45 and a half is not a normal total that you'll see for these NFC or AFC West games, excuse me. But Keenan Allen's training to possibly return to help this offense. We know what Denver's pass defense looks like being led by Pat Sertain the second. But they're towards the bottom of the middle of the pack in rushing. Denver's off now that Russ can't really throw the ball. This team's not averaging great pass yards. For instance, Denver has less has been averaging less pass yards in the Colts, the New York Jets, the Washington football team, and Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this will be a defensive matchup, like something we're not used to with these West matchups, like I said, with not as many points. This is an already low total for this. I'm riding with it, 45 and a half with the under, but give me the Chargers and Herbie, minus four and a half, Wally. You're right. The Chargers, you got to go minus four and a half. I should do money line as well, but I won't do it. I'll stick to to the old uh, the rule. I didn't have it on the sheet. I'll leave it off. Denver, it, look at me, just credit to me, uh, stand-up guy myself. Denver is on a do Unlike not- Devontae Adams. <sighs> Well, you, you're going to have another Devontae Adams joke as soon as I finish this next line. But I was going to say Denver is on a do-not-fly list for me right now, a do-not-bet list. And Devontae should be on a do-not-fly list because he should be in jail, Guantanamo Bay. But even when they're moving the ball effectively, Denver's not scoring touchdowns. Their drives are stalling out. I think that red zone offense is a problem for teams like my Raiders – I got to digging earlier because I was just wondering, like, this offense has been really bad, especially given what we expected. David sent us that tweet where it's just like, hey, Nathaniel Hackett has had really, really good quarterbacks before in Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson, and those guys took a year. Or not Russell Wilson. Who was the other guy? Do you remember? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, shit. No shit. (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't realize he was with Peyton, though. So we had Peyton, Aaron, and now Russ. Yeah, and those guys had rough first years in the system. And then after that first year, they started coming back. So Benjamin Albright tweeted that, saying that pumped the brakes on him being washed. However, I know for a fact Aaron Rodgers didn't have the same problems. This is an offense that has scored six 
six touchdowns this year. We're in week six. This was a Super Bowl contender going into the year. That is so criminally bad that Nathaniel Hackett, I hate talking about people's jobs, even though they're millionaires, but Nathaniel Hackett better be careful because he is on the fast track to one and done right now in Denver. The Chargers not only win this game, but they're going to cover the four and a half. My score, I didn't even write a score. I'll, I'll, it doesn't matter. Denver's not scoring doesn't a lot. Count. Doesn't matter. They don't score. Denver don't score. That's it. And then and then David had here, he, he's with the same with us. He's with the Chargers uh, four and a half with their money line. Here's, here's David's quote. I don't care if this ends up being a Denver home game because LA fans suck. Denver stinks. And until proven otherwise, hammer L's into their schedule against even remotely good teams. With that, that's going to send us off to our last little segment here, the prop lock and drop it. Cue up the music. Cue up your your memories of just grinding with some girls in the sixth grade dance saying, oh shit, I'm about to get lucky, aka hold some hands, because that's what you do in sixth grade unless you're really that cool and you had sex. Kudos to you, I guess. Keep room for the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Boom! Keep room for Jesus, my man. We're going to give you a prop that that we think is great for you to look at and take absolute lock of the week that we think is a no-brainer of a pick and a drop, the game that we want to stay away from. Wally, why don't you fire it off here first so I can wrap us up, bud? All right, I'll give you David's make it easy. He has Justin Fields over 42 and a half rushing yards. His reason, this is not me. I can't emphasize enough how this is not me. Guys, the new iteration of running back playing quarterback has not completed 15 pass attempts yet in a game, so we know that he's not throwing the ball. He has the so same amount of that? completions as uh, Cooper Cup has receptions. You weren't on on Monday. I want to hear your quick, quick two seconds, two second thoughts on the Bears offense last week. Was that the Vikings defense making them look good? Or do you think that the Bears are finally figuring it out? Well, and you can't and you can't make it a divisional thing because these are rookie head coaches that have never played against each other and or or played with these teams in the divisional matchup. So I think it's more or less of just maybe Minnesota's defense pumping the brakes a little bit because, and you got to give kudos to Chicago as a team, because they did some things with what they were down 21, three at one point, I look up, it's 21, 19. I'm like, Holy shit, what the hell just happened? Uh, so I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think maybe Justin Fields was able to find his rhythm a little bit because the Minnesota defense wasn't as daunting as everyone thought they were week one after just shellacking the green Bay Packers. I, if I'm giving flowers, it's going to be to the Bears offense versus uh, how bad the Minnesota defense is. Okay, I, I just want to ask because you guys know how early I was in on the Geno train. I'm about to have to jump ship and jump on the field rocket to the moon. No, and w- no, when, no. When he figures it out, whether it's in Chicago or the next place, I don't care if it's four years down the road, I will be here. I will be ready to collect because I, I bet he goes to Washington. Oh, then it's ruined again. Then, then I don't ever have a chance. Mm. Whatever. Yeah, zoom, rocket explodes, October sky style. Ah, uh, the lock. The Chargers uh, against Denver for him. He has his drop, Baltimore at Giants, which takes it to me. My prop, Hayden Hurst, anytime touchdown scorer in the Bengals at New Orleans game on Sunday – I have the lock being the over 50 and a half of Arizona in Seattle 
contrary to Steven's stats, so I'm hoping I proved to be right there. Penguins just scored a minute and 22 seconds into the year, and guess who it is? It's Sidney freaking Crosby. It's not a big deal. Football season's over, folks. It's hockey time. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh, and the drop of the week is Baltimore and the New York Giants game. My, my prop of the week, Eno Benjamin, two touchdowns versus the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about how poor that, that Seahawks defense is. That's towards the bottom of the league, and they're getting worse every single week. The run, they're not doing too well, and I think they're bottom four in the past. So kudos. You're getting better in one thing. Eno Benjamin is expected to start. We have James Conner that's out. Don't know why. Excuse me. Don't know why I am blinking on the backup running back's name. And come enter Eno Benjamin. Who was it, Wally? I, I literally don't know what you're talking about. Cool. You know, Benjamin, two touchdowns against the Seattle Seahawks. My lock of the week, the Buffalo Bills minus two and a half. Money line, whatever. Throw your mortgage on it. They are smoking the Kansas City Chiefs. And the one thing that we can all agree on, my drop of the week, just like the other two, Baltimore versus New York, that can go either way. I don't want to be on the wrong side of that. That is my drop. With that, that's going to bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, at Loss of Down, and Twitter, down underscore loss. Shout out to both our sponsors. we got Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. Make sure you use pro- promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping, as well as AbbeyTurnerCreative.com, your one-stop marketing agency for anything you want. Chick's a badass. The Parley princess herself. Wally, do you have any parting words for the fans? Actually, you know what? Fuck your parting words. I have a parting question. Justin Fields is plus 640 to go over 250 passing yards on that. What are your thoughts? Uh, if, it makes well, you, if it makes you feel better, those are worse odds than the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. You are more likely to see an Eagles Super Bowl than to see Justin Fields over 250 yards. Well, it sounds like everybody's going to be rich when uh, – well, I guess they won't hear this on Friday. People are going to be upset you didn't share that on Twitter when they could have got rich. But what I was going to say – first of all, you know, Benjamin's backup is James – or he was backup to James Conner, the best running back in the history of football, according to you. And then my last thought is the Pittsburgh Penguins is the greatest team of all time, and we will win the Cup this year. According to me, what did I ever say James Conner was the best? I, I honestly can't remember the specifics. I think you just said that James Conner is a solid back, and, I, and David and I laughed at you. He's a solid back. Is well, he great? I, no. he, is he's he... definitely a solid 3.3 yards per carry. Dude's a touchdown machine. Awesome. So is Mike Allstott. Are you saying Mike Allstott's shitty? No, I'm saying James Conner should play fullback then. You're being a real dick. Until next time, he's Wally, I'm Steve, and I fucking hate this. Football doesn't matter. Dude, you are high. There's no way that you actually are, but you're behind that saying it's not football season anymore. Football doesn't matter.